This is America in the Morning from Westwood One. Good morning, I'm John Trout. It's Friday, January 19th, 2024. Here's what's coming up on America in the Morning. A scathing report released by the DOJ on Uvalde. We need to have justice for these families and we need to have real accountability. I'm Clayton Neville. Congress passes a short-term funding bill averting a government shutdown for now. I'm John Stolness in Washington. Hunter Biden has agreed to a deposition with House Republicans. Ed Donahue, Washington. Former President Trump warns of chaos in Bedlam. I'm Pamela Furr. Markets open this morning after a big win yesterday. The Nasdaq up more than 1%. I'm Jessica Ettinger. I'm Jackie Quinn. Allegations that the Fulton County District Attorney has been in a romantic relationship with a special prosecutor in the case. An abortion rights campaign in Missouri says it's throwing its support behind an amendment to make abortion access part of the state constitution. I'm Donna Porter. All ahead on America in the Morning. The Department of Justice has released its findings in the 2022 elementary school massacre at Uvalde, Texas, that left 19 students and two teachers dead. Correspondent Clayton Neville reports that family members of those killed by the teenage gunman are demanding further action against the police response on that fateful day. It took the hundreds of officers who responded to Robb Elementary School in the spring of 2022 longer than an hour to take out the gunman and end the deadly attack, a response state leaders labeled as an abject failure. What would have happened if they'd have done their job? They didn't kill these kids, I get that. What would have happened if they'd have gone in at minute 12? How many kids would be alive today? They all need to explain themselves to us. Texas State Senator Roland Gutierrez represents the Yavoldi area. Those cops were cowards and those kids were braver than the cops. The 600-page report released by the DOJ describes chaos. It mentions at least 10 stimulus events during the response that it says should have prompted officers to take steps to end the massacre. Community members in Yavoldi reacting to the reports with KENS-TV in San Antonio. There was a lot of information and... I guess the next step is to find out what will be done with this information. It was just basically just a, a, a detailed and, and summarized view of what happened that day. There, the report wasn't to point fingers and stuff like that. Gutierrez says the report means a lot to the families. That is a resounding thing that I've heard from several families that I've talked to today, that it's written down. That doesn't mean that we're done here, nor should it be. We need to have justice for these families and we need to have real accountability. The report also explained that authorities gave wrong information to parents in the aftermath of the shooting, specifically about whether or not their children survived. There's been some fallout and leadership changes in Uvalde, like the mayor, police chief and individual officers. The Justice Department, though, says it collected more than 13,000 items to review and analyze as part of the investigation. The report says the extent of misinformation, misguided and misleading narratives in the massacres is unprecedented. I'm Clayton Neville. With a partial government shutdown looming, Congress passes a short-term spending bill that now heads to President Biden's desk that will keep the doors open until March. John Stolness has the story from Washington. On this vote, the yeas are 314, the nays are 108. The House yesterday passing a continuing resolution that had already been agreed to in the Senate a short time earlier, officially keeping the government open until March 1st, when the first of two spending deadlines will take effect. 
In the House, 207 out of 209 Democrats voted in favor of the CR, including Congresswoman Rosa DeLauro, the top Democrat on the Appropriations Committee. There is now a mutual understanding that the only way to finally end the saga of 2024 funding is to write appropriations bills that can earn the support of both Democrats and Republicans in the House and in the Senate. However, Republicans in the House were split. Kay Granger was one of those who voted in favor of avoiding a shutdown. Congress has much more work to do and more time to need is needed to negotiate bills on both sides that could support. While fellow Republican Chip Roy voted against, saying Americans are tired of reckless spending by Congress. Spoke to thousands of Americans. Not one of them, not one American said, please, Congressman Roy, add more money to the debt. Please, Congressman Roy, Keep spending money we don't have. The Senate passed the CR 77 to 18. It now goes to President Biden's desk to be signed before the Friday midnight deadline. This is the third time Congress has had to pass a short-term spending bill as they struggled to come to an agreement over a full-year spending bill. A recent deal between House Speaker Mike Johnson and Democratic Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer on how much to spend next year has met some resistance from within the far right of his own party. Johnson's predecessor, Kevin McCarthy, lost his speakership after working with Democrats on the first continuing resolution late last year. John Stolnes, Washington. Hunter Biden in the hot seat when America in the morning continues after these messages. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford anything, wherever you listen. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. This is America in the Morning. How will snow impact the eastern half of the nation today? With that, here's AccuWeather.com meteorologist Matt Benz. Yet another cross-country storm will bring slippery travel to many areas east of the Mississippi as we start today, and snow continuing until this afternoon across the I-95 corridor, making not only for a slippery morning commute, but likely a slippery afternoon commute with that snow winding down across northeast into this evening. And again, expect slippery travel with another injection of Arctic air moving across the Great Lakes through today. This Arctic air will settle eastward then for tomorrow, but this is a quick-moving round of cold air as it will be out 
out of much of the eastern U.S. as we head into Sunday and especially early next week. There will be some rain at times this morning, especially through portions of eastern Virginia and down through North Carolina. The trailing cold front from the system will touch off a thunderstorm in spots across the Florida peninsula, especially from the central and southern portions of the peninsula. Otherwise dry across a good chunk of the plains from the northern, central, and southern plains. Again, Arctic air will make for chilly conditions, especially across the upper Midwest. Another Pacific storm moves into the Pacific Northwest, and this will bring in a round of rain this morning into Washington State, though interior portions of Washington State east of the Cascades could deal with a little bit of ice yet this morning. Then another piece of energy moving into California into this afternoon and evening will bring rounds of rain to that portion of the state, not only for today, but through tomorrow and possibly into Sunday, making for another damp stretch of weather. And that's weather across America. In Chicago, look for snow at times through the early morning. Total accumulations of 1 to 3 inches, a high of just 12 degrees. Washington, D.C. will see snow as well through much of the day with 1 to 3 inches by this afternoon. Watch for slippery travel as well, high of 34. That's the nation's weather. I'm MackieWeather.com meteorologist Matt Benz. Follow us everywhere you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Amazon, and YouTube. Just search America in the Morning in your favorite listening app. I'm John Trout. Hunter Biden has agreed to sit for a deposition with the House Oversight and Judiciary Committee at the end of February. As Ed Donahue reports, that meeting will happen behind closed doors, something that the president's son had originally demanded be held in public. You are the epitome of white privilege, coming into the Oversight Committee, spitting in our face, ignoring a congressional subpoena to be deposed. What are you afraid of? You have no balls to come up here and... Mr. Chairman, point of inquiry. Republicans on the House Oversight Committee want a private deposition. The president's son has been defying that, insisting on public testimony. Republicans do not want an open process where Americans can see their tactics expose their baseless inquiry or hear what I have to say. The committee now says an agreement has been reached. The deposition is set for February 28th. Republicans have been investigating Hunter Biden's overseas business dealings for over a year in a so far futile effort to connect it to his father. Ed Donahue, Washington. Former President Donald Trump's lawyers are warning of chaos and bedlam as they lay out their legal arguments for the Supreme Court to put a swift end to lawsuits aimed at keeping him off the 2024 presidential ballot. Pamela Furr has the latest on the story. A 59-page legal brief was submitted last evening saying the challenges to Trump's eligibility would threaten to disenfranchise tens of millions of Americans and promise to unleash chaos and bedlam around the nation if they proceed. The United States must have immunity. And I'm not talking for myself. I'm talking for every president of the United States or they will not be able to function And they're going to make those decisions very soon, and I hope they do the right thing for the country. The lawyers are urging the justices to overturn the ruling last month from the Colorado Supreme Court that concluded under the 14th Amendment, which prohibits people from serving in public office if they engaged in an insurrection, that Trump should be barred from the ballot in that state. Now, in the brief, the lawyers say, quote, nothing that President Trump did in response to the 2020 election or on January 6, 2021, even remotely qualifies as insurrection. The Supreme Court is scheduled to hear the case on February 8th. I'm Pamela Furr. A new concern for the 2024 election, deep fakes, when America in the Morning continues after these messages. 
Back with you this Friday. It's America in the Morning. Stocks in electric car makers have not had a good week, and a big reason is the weather. Frigid temps in the Midwest have left some EVs unusable. Unlike cars with combustion engines, the electric vehicle runs on both high-voltage and low-voltage batteries. In particularly cold weather, the low-voltage battery can lose its charge, and overall in cold weather could lead to a 30% reduced driving range, and they won't charge as quick. Either, According to statistics, anything below 40 or above 115 degrees will impact battery life in an electric vehicle. With more in business and a check of market activity, here's CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Wall Street opens this morning after a winning day for the markets yesterday, with the Dow breaking a three-day losing streak. The Nasdaq was up more than 1%. Apple shares surged 3%. Companies whose shares hit fresh all-time highs yesterday include... Costco, Hilton, Marriott, Visa, AMD, and NVIDIA. The U.S. job market is resilient. The number of people who applied for unemployment benefits last week, an indicator of how many people lost their jobs, was the fewest in nearly a year and a half. 187,000 is initial jobless claims. It harkens back into the 60s. Unreal. CNBC's Rick Santelli. But companies are still cutting. Amazon with fresh job cuts, this time in its Buy with Prime unit. Macy's late yesterday announcing more than 2,000 job cuts and some store closings. Google is still cutting. The CEO warned employees in a company memo. CNBC.com's Jennifer Elias. Shares of Spirit Airlines continue to drop as the low-cost carrier is scrambling to find a way to avoid bankruptcy and to stabilize its finances now that a judge has blocked JetBlue's proposed purchase of it. Nearly 40% of millennials and Gen Zers, these are people ranging in age from teenagers into their early 40s. Well, they say they're having a harder time building wealth than their parents did at the same age. The survey comes from Bankrate. Jessica, one discussion circulating in the tech industry would be that of deep fake. Well, tech companies really don't want to be blamed for swaying voters in election years. They also don't want, many times, more government regulation. Watchdog groups say deep fake videos could destabilize government and this year's presidential election. The consumer group Public Citizen is warning that political deep fakes could soon be all over social media. Experts are concerned about increasingly sophisticated technology. Intel is working on deepfake detection technology called Fake Catcher, which social media platforms could use to prevent users from uploading deepfakes. Now, looking at the legislative landscape, five states, including California and Texas, have adopted regulation to limit deepfake use around elections. 16 more have introduced bills. So nearly half of the states could have AI legislation in place by the election. While there is proposed federal legislation with bipartisan support, we, of course, know how hard it is to get anything passed. CNBC's Julia Borston. On today's watch list, we get existing home sales numbers for last month, plus the full year, and new in theaters, Bleecker Street sci-fi thriller ISS. There's CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Allegations mount against the prosecutor in Trump's Georgia election fraud case. We'll have an update when America in the Morning continues after these messages. (music) 
Thanks for starting your day with America in the Morning. A Georgia judge has set a hearing to explore allegations that the Fulton County District Attorney, who's prosecuting former President Donald Trump, has been in a romantic relationship with a special prosecutor in the case. And there's more. Here's correspondent Jackie Quinn. A hearing date's been set for February 15th after a defense lawyer representing a former Trump staffer filed a motion last week saying the entire election fraud case is tainted and should be thrown out. Attorney Ashley Merchant alleges the district attorney, Fonnie Willis, has been involved with an attorney, Nathan Wade, creating a conflict of interest. Willis defended her hiring of Wade but did not comment on reports of a romantic relationship. Donald Trump and 18 others have been indicted by a Fulton County grand jury accused of participating in a scheme to illegally overturn his 2020 election defeat. I'm Jackie Quinn. An abortion rights campaign in Missouri says it's throwing its support behind an amendment to make the procedures access part of the state constitution, but it's also supporting some restrictions. Correspondent Donna Water explains. Missourians for Constitutional Freedom says it's committing to a proposal that would give women in the state the right to an abortion, except for later in the pregnancy, when the fetus can survive outside the womb. The group says it also supports an abortion to protect the mother's life and physical and mental health. The proposal is one of 11 versions, and it's also supported by the ACLU of Missouri, the local Planned Parenthood, and Abortion Action Missouri. Missourians for Constitutional Freedom faces steep opposition, with the petitions tied up in court for months after being challenged by Republican Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft. And the campaign also has funding difficulties, ending 2023 with no money in the bank. I'm Donna Water. America in the Morning for Friday, January 19th, 2024 is produced by Jeff McKay, senior producer Kevin Delaney. I'm John Trout. This is Westwood One. This is America in the Morning from Westwood One. I'm John Trout. Coming up this half hour. Families of the children killed in the Uvalde school massacre are calling for the prosecutions of the law enforcement officers. I'm Jackie Quinn. As bitter cold continues to grip the United States, volunteers are out trying to help those still out in the cold. I'm Lisa Dwyer. Two New Mexico Republican lawmakers want the Democratic governor to be impeached. I'm Donna Water. New data show Mississippi has the highest rate of preventable deaths in the U.S. I'm Norman Hall. More than half a million beds are under recall because they can break or collapse while being used. I'm Shelley Adler. Ariana DeBose stars in a new thriller that's literally out of this world. I'm Kevin Carr. Back after these messages. Cold weather this week has been blamed on the deaths of 40 people across the country. Here's today's forecast on America in the Morning with AccuWeather.com meteorologist Matt Benz. While this is another shot of frigid air for a good chunk of the eastern U.S., it's quick hitting and maybe not as harsh for some portions of the country compared to what we saw earlier this week for the southern plains. Yes, trending colder for today compared to recent days, though not nearly as chilly as what we saw here earlier this week across 
portions of Texas and Oklahoma. The core of this Arctic air settling across the Great Lakes through this afternoon before spreading across the northeast heading into tomorrow. The good news is most areas will be chilly at least through the start of the weekend, though temperatures will slowly rebound for the second half of the weekend and through early next week. What is ahead of this cold is a line of snow that will be stretching from the Great Lakes all the way to the I-95 corridor at times through this afternoon. And this snow, just enough to make things slippery out there, especially from Chicago back through Detroit for this morning and then across much of the eastern seaboard, including places like Washington, D.C., Baltimore, Philadelphia, and New York throughout much of the day today with slippery conditions expected for this morning as well as for the afternoon commute. Lake effect snow will likely continue to fall across much of the Great Lakes, though through this weekend as cold Arctic air interacts with the relatively warm waters much of the Great Lakes. A trailing cold front from this storm will touch off a thunderstorm in spots across much of the Florida Peninsula through this afternoon. A new Pacific storm moving into California will bring drenching showers later on today across central and northern California, and that will continue at times through Saturday and Sunday. The day will start off wet, though, across portions of the Pacific Northwest from Portland on north, though east of the Cascades. That could start off with some ice with icy roads across the interior of Washington State. That's the nation's weather. I'm AccuWeather.com meteorologist Matt Benz. Follow us wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Amazon, and YouTube. Just search America in the Morning in your favorite listening app. I'm John Trout. A Justice Department review two years in the making calls the police response to the mass shooting at the Robb Elementary School in Uvalde, Texas, an abject failure. After the release of that damning assessment, some of the families of the children killed in the school massacre are calling for the prosecutions of the law enforcement officers who failed to protect their children from a teenage gunman. Correspondent Jackie Quinn reports. There are names in there and the community needs to see this and y'all need because the DOJ stamp is on there, maybe y'all will start taking us seriously now instead of telling us to move on, telling us to sweep it under the rug and not doing a damn thing about it. At least six police officers, including the school police chief, were fired long before the scathing Justice Department report. Our state and federal government enact sensible gun laws because Rob Elementary began the day an 18-year-old wasn't allowed to purchase an AR-15. But for mother Kimberly Mata Rubio, I hope that the failures end today. More need to be held accountable, as heard on KSAT TV. Terminations, criminal prosecutions. Layla Salazar's grandfather spoke out too. All they wanted to do was play. There's no reason this should have happened. They should have did. They ignored the training that was supposed to be since Columbine. And they ignored it. There's too many failures. Attorney Josh Koskoff represents the families. He says the police paused because... This 18-year-old, let's remember, was about 5'5 or 5'6. He was 140 pounds soaking wet. Were they really afraid of this kid? No. They were afraid of his weapon. They were scared because they're human beings and they were scared of getting killed. And says something's missing from the Justice Department report, like how the 18-year-old gunman was able to get two assault weapons and ammo. Where's the government investigation on how this kid got this firepower. Koskoff says if Congress had acted after the Sandy Hook and Parkland school massacres, the 21 Uvalde victims likely would have been spared. I told the families gathered last night, 
what I hope is clear among the hundreds of pages and thousands of details in this report. Their loved ones deserve better. I'm Jackie Quinn. In the Middle East, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu says he rejects plans for a Palestinian state in any post-war scenario, a proposal being pushed by Arab nations and an idea backed by the U.S. Pakistan's Air Force has launched retaliatory strikes in Iran, targeting what it calls militant positions, killing at least nine people and further raising tensions between the neighboring nations. As correspondent Charles de Ledesma reports, this comes as the U.S. has ramped up military action against the Iran-backed Houthis in Yemen, targeting their missile and drone capabilities as shipping disruptions in two vital waterways grows. The strikes follow Iran's Tuesday attack on Pakistani soil that killed two children in the southwestern Baluchistan province. Mumtaz Zahra Balok, a spokeswoman at the Pakistan Foreign Ministry, says Pakistan will protect and defend its national security against threats. Pakistan undertook a series of highly coordinated and specifically targeted precision military strikes against terrorist hideouts in Sistanu Baluchistan province. Of Iran. The strikes imperil diplomatic relations between the two neighbors, as Iran and nuclear-armed Pakistan have long regarded each other with suspicion over militant attacks. When you say working, are they stopping the Houthis? No. Are they going to continue? Yes. The wave of ship and submarine-launched missile strikes against Houthi locations marks the fourth time in days the U.S. has directly targeted the group as violence that ignited in the wake of the Israel-Hamas war continues to spill over in the Middle East. The strikes were launched from the Red Sea and hit targets the command deemed an imminent threat. We never said that the Houthis would immediately stop. That is something that um, they will have to make that decision and th that calculation to do. Um, it's in their best interest, I think, to stop. You've seen that we've been able to degrade and severely disrupt and destroy a significant number of ca their capabilities since Thursday. The hits followed an official announcement on Wednesday that the U.S. has put the Houthis back on its list of specially designated global terrorists. The sanctions that come with the formal designation are meant to sever violent extremist groups from their sources of financing. I'm Charles Diladesma. California's population could be growing thanks to some tech billionaires who are pushing plans to build a brand new city in a mostly agricultural county between the San Francisco Bay Area and Sacramento. Correspondent Jennifer King tells us what's behind the idea. California Forever CEO Jan Sremic, formerly with Goldman Sachs, pitched Solano County voters with the first detailed look at his vision for a walkable community of at least 20,000 homes on what is now protected farmland. This is a compact footprint that is designed to bring all the things that um, the residents of the county have told us they need. Um, like middle-class homes and good-paying jobs and clean energy. Rio Vista residents interviewed by the AP sounded skeptical. Here's Roxanne Stiles Donnelly. It's just they picked the wrong area. Resident Bill Gugamos. It's going to be so much traffic. The company needs signatures from roughly 13,000 county voters to place a zoning measure on the ballot in November. With deep-pocket backers like venture capitalist Mark Andreessen, the company's been stealthily scooping up farmland and now owns more than 78 square miles or $800 million worth of area property. The company says the project will be a win and open up jobs and affordable housing for a state that has lost residents to places that are more affordable. Solano Together, a coalition that opposes the initiative, released a statement saying buying up farmland at low prices and rezoning for housing has been a quick way to make a buck for decades in California. I'm Jennifer King.
When we return, cries for this state's Democratic governor to be impeached. And which state has the highest rate of preventable deaths? America in the Morning, back after these messages. Our program continues. This is America in the Morning. I'm John Trout. It's been a week of powerful storms as almost every state in the past six days issued alerts for dangerous weather that's resulted in over 40 deaths. From ice in the deep south to an Arctic blast of snow and below zero temperatures blanketing much of the U.S., rain, snow, blizzard conditions, and ice is expected in the northeast, mid-Atlantic states, and Great Lakes states, as well as the northern plains and Pacific Northwest. As bitter cold continues to grip a large swath of America, volunteers are out trying to help those still out in the cold. Lisa Dwyer reports. Multiple deaths have been linked to a storm system that blanketed the United States with snow, ice, and bitter cold temperatures. In Tennessee, Will Compton, who's an outreach specialist for Open Table Nashville, was out canvassing the city's downtown. People who are poor and people who are homeless are getting hit the hardest. Um, you know, branches of the public library have been closed, um, which is an essential day shelter. 62-year-old Aaron Robinson, who walks with a cane, caught a ride with Compton to a warming shelter. It's all good, though, I mean, it's Thank God for people that try to help people in the street, you know. That's a blessing, you know. That's a real blessing. More wintry weather is expected. I'm Lisa Dwyer. It landed an hour behind schedule due to the weather, but that was the least of the worries for passengers on an American Airlines flight. After touching down, the jet carrying 50 passengers and three crew members turned onto a taxiway heading toward the terminal at New York's Rochester International Airport and slid into the grass. It was snowing at the time of the incident. Nobody aboard the plane was hurt. The NTSB will be looking into what happened. Weather on Thursday caused more than 4,700 flights in the U.S. to be delayed, and another 700 were flat-out canceled. Two New Mexico Republican lawmakers want the Democratic governor to be impeached after she restricted firearms from being carried in some places in the Albuquerque area. Correspondent Donna Warder has that story. Governor Michelle Lujan Grisham invoked emergency public health orders last year, suspending the right to carry firearms in some public places in greater Albuquerque, such as parks and playgrounds. The order was in response to a spate of gun violence. Now Republican representatives Stephanie Lord and John Block have filed a resolution aimed at initiating impeachment proceedings against Lujan Grisham. The Republicans say the governor has violated her oath of office to uphold state and federal constitutions. Lord says the governor has too much power and is acting like a dictator. A governor spokesperson says Lord and Block are more interested in political stunts than crafting meaningful legislation. I'm Donna Water. Good health may be our most important gift, and sometimes where you live can be a factor. New data shows Mississippi has the highest rate of preventable deaths in the U.S. A deeper dive with correspondent Norman Hall. According to state health officials, Mississippi ranks at the bottom of virtually every health care indicator and at the top of every health disparity. According to a report by the Mississippi State Medical Association, the state ranks worst for infant mortality, with black infants nearly twice as likely as whites to die. 
the state's obesity and diabetes rates remain among the nation's highest. Experts say one way to improve health outcomes is to increase access to health care coverage for working-class Mississippians. I'm Norman Hall. Reddit has had a notorious reputation among social media platforms as some of their users have caused mischief over pumping up publicly traded companies. Now the social media company itself is going public. Here's Chuck Palm with that in today's tech report. According to Reuters, social media platform Reddit has drawn up detailed plans to launch its IPO in March, moving forward with their listing after more than three years, according to people familiar with the matter. This would be the first initial public offering of a major social media company since Pinterest in 2019. Reddit users are famous for backing their meme coins, causing stock rallies from retailer GameStop and other entertainment operators like AMC Holdings. In other crypto news, Spot Bitcoin's ETFs drew nearly $2 billion in their first three days of trading. Market participants said it remains to be seen to what degree funds tracking the notoriously volatile cryptocurrency market continue drawing retail and institutional investors. Meanwhile, crypto research firm Chain Analysis said on Thursday that at least $24.2 billion worth of crypto was transferred illicitly in 2023. They said the number is probably an underestimate and will rise as they identify more addresses. For more crypto news, visit allthetoptech.tech. I'm Chuck Palm. Friday Sports on America in the morning. Here's Robert Workman. NHL last night, the Oilers rallied past the Kraken 4-2 for their 12th win in a row. Seattle jumped out to a 2-0 lead in the first, but Warren Fogle scored twice, and Leon Dreisaitl added a goal and three assists. Elsewhere, the Hats were flying all over the ice. Maple Leafs shaded the Flames 4-3. Austin Matthews with three more goals. He leads the league with 37 this year. David Posternock had a hat trick to lead the Bruins over the Avalanche 5-2. TJ Oshie with a hatter as the Capitals shook off the Blues 5-2. Important for our confidence moving forward. Not sure the penalty kill necessarily needed confidence jumping over the boards but the power play definitely did from breakouts to end zone to shots on net to scoring goals elsewhere the sabers blank the blackhawks three nothing back-to-back shutouts for uko pekka lukanen canucks clip the coyotes 2-1 vancouver leads the league with 64 points flyers flatten the stars for their fifth straight win golden knights romped over the rangers senators slap the canadians lightning blitz the wild and the predators edge the kings nba the timberwolves came on strong in the fourth to top the grizzlies 118-103 the west leaders hit the halfway point of the season at 30 and 11. Thunder bumped the Jazz, ending Utah's six-game winning streak. Knicks knocked off the Wizards. Jalen Brunson had 41 points. Bulls beat the Raptors, and the Pacers held off the Kings. College basketball number 10 Memphis blew a 20-point lead at home, upset by South Florida 74-73. The NFL's divisional round playoffs this weekend. Saturday, the Texans at the Ravens, and then the Packers at the 49ers. Baltimore and San Francisco both coming off bye weeks. Sunday, it'll be the Buccaneers at the Lions and the Chiefs at the Bills. And at the Australian Open, third-round play straight set wins for two-seed and defending champ Arena Sabalenka, along with four-seed American Coco Goff, while number three Elena Rabakina lost a third-set tiebreaker to Anna Blinkova 22-20. That's the longest ever in a Grand Slam event. That's Friday Sports. Thank you, sir. Robert Workman on Sports. When we return, Americans' beds are collapsing. There's a recall. We'll explain when America in the Morning continues after these messages. Welcome back. This is America in the Morning. The alarm clock may not have been the thing to have awoken you this morning. More than half a million beds are under recall because they can break or collapse while being used. Correspondent Shelley Adler reports. 
The recalled beds were sold at retailers like Walmart, Wayfair, and Overstock.com between July of 2018 and this past November. There are several different models and sizes of low-profile standard and platform beds from Home Design Inc. involved. The Indiana-based furniture wholesaler says it's received 128 reports of their beds breaking with 36 unspecified injuries to date. The advice from the manufacturer and the consumer Product Safety Commission? Stop using the beds and contact the company for free replacement slats and side rails. I'm Shelley Antler. A new science fiction thriller is heading to theaters looking at astronauts on the space station. Kevin Carr has a sneak peek at ISS. Patriotism and morality come to a head in the new science fiction thriller ISS. Wait a minute, what the hell is going on down there? Whoa! Oh my god. The story follows a group of astronauts and cosmonauts on the International Space Station who are told to secure the facility when a war breaks out on Earth. War has broken out below, and we were told to take the ISS by any means necessary. I'm a sucker for movies about people stuck in space, so I enjoyed the premise more than others might. The tense relationship offers a good what-would-you-do scenario. The Russians got the same orders as this. Struck first. Struck first. Ariana DeBose heads the cast as an astronaut who just wants to keep the peace, and she shows some range outside of her better known musical performances. What do you suggest we do now? However, the story commits to not committing when it comes to background and explanations. Yeah, that works for the limited location, but it often feels more like the screenwriter just didn't want to play the story out. We don't talk politics. Here we are. One. The interpersonal tensions only worked about half the time, and the plot stoops to cliches and pulpy tropes to offer some excitement in the climax. We're evolved species. The movie manages to take off, but it gets a bit singed trying to get back to the ground. ISS gets three oxygen tanks out of five. I'm Kevin Carr. Actor and former California Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger was stopped by customs in Germany and questioned over a luxury watch. Entertainment correspondent Margie Zaraleta reports. I'll be back. A customs spokesperson says Arnold Schwarzenegger was stopped for a routine check after arriving Wednesday in Munich. He was detained for about two and a half hours because he had an Audemars Piguet watch valued at more than $21,000 that was specially produced for him. The watch was potentially going to be auctioned at a charity event. Goods valued at more than $467 that will stay in the European Union have to be declared and possibly have duty paid. The Schwarzenegger Climate Initiative says in a statement that Schwarzenegger cooperated at every step, even though it was an incompetent shakedown, and he agreed to pay potential taxes. A customs penalty body will review the case. I'm Archie Zaraleta. And a check of that watch may show that's it for us today. America in the Morning, produced by Jeff McKay, senior producer Kevin Delaney. I'm John Trout. This is Westwood One. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.